Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. The date is Tuesday, August 23rd. We got packed show. Yeah, we come back with a lot of kind of summaries, game summaries yesterday. And today we got a good bit of news to get to. Uh, we do also have a game to get to with my Atlanta Falcons. Yay. Uh, we have a tier at the end of the show. MLB based or NBA story throughout. And without being said, let's get into it. And with that, I welcome you into Coach's Corner. As I stated, it is Tuesday. I am your host, Lucas Kochevar. And I am very glad to say that Kyle Pitts is good at football. Kyle Pitts um, had one catch, one target, one catch, 52 yards, and that was the end of his night. Rightfully so, as it should have been, because, I mean, he <laughs> it was... A fantastic route ran by him, just kind of blew by the corner with a good little, not I won't say inside move, but a good little fade to the kind of outside end zone or sideline. And you know how I can tell Falcons football is back when the Falcons get a giant play on the first, you know, first play of the drive or second. Uh, they get into the red zone. They then proceed to do absolutely nothing in the red zone. And then they kick a field goal. Baby, the Atlanta Falcons are back. And I am so happy to see that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I actually think the Falcons looked pretty good. Um, They're, I think, about to lose. <laughs> I'm recording this early because I didn't want to watch Felipe Franks. I'm, I'm sure, hopefully, the world can understand that I didn't want to watch Felipe Franks because... Come on now. <laughs> I'm not watching them. Uh, I did sit through Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, watched all their snaps, and they looked good. You know, I don't have any major complaints about either player. Uh, you know, I mean, d- watching Desmond Ritter is really the big takeaway that you want to have from these games. You know, Marcus Mariota, we know who he is. We know he's probably starting and I mean, we kind of have the feel he's like a Mitch Trubisky, but Hawaiian and actually had a good college career. <laughs> and, you know, I think has a little bit more, you know, to prove to himself. I think um, just that seems like the kind of guy like he he just kind of got a raw deal in Tennessee, was always injured, kind of dealt with some stuff, took the year off as a Raider. And now he's back with the Falcons. And I, I think he just wants to prove to himself that he can start in NFL games. You know, I mean. Hard to blame the guy because I don't think he's a long-term option for this team. Uh, he certainly didn't look like it tonight. Um, although he had he had a number he had a handful of really solid throws, but then there are other ones where it's just like wobbly and didn't look like it had a lot of velocity on it. Mm, I'm fine on Marcus Mariota. Nice guy, I'm sure. Great human being. Everything, all good things you know to talk about with him. Uh, quarterbacking the team is a whole different story. But that's besides the point. Uh, Desmond Ritter came in 
10 for 13, 143. And, you know, I think he was very efficient with all his passes. I think he had a couple that were just misfires, just miscommunications here and there. Um, but other than that, I think he showed real, like, I think real, I don't know how to describe it. I, he showed like he was an NFL quarterback. Like, you know, he looked like he was kind of calm, cool, collected. He didn't look too big in the moment. Like, it didn't look like a, he didn't look like a rookie quarterback. I thought he looked like a, he played for at least a year or so, you know? Like, he looked ready for the moment. And I'll go ahead and say that Ritter and Pickett have looked like the best rookie quarterbacks. Malik Willis has shown his flashes, as we all know. But, I mean, Ritter looks ready to start NFL games, in my opinion. Whether it be good or not, that's yet to be seen. But I think he looked good tonight. I mean, I think he had some really good throws. A couple decision-making things. Like, I think throwing it away would have been the better option or just throwing it to the ground or something. But. Hard to say, kind of because of what he was working with. You know, I listed Kyle Pitts as having a great, you know, cat, one catch, but um, playing the first series and everything, you know, but he didn't come out for Desmond Ritter snaps. So, like, Desmond Ritter didn't get, you know, to play with Kyle Pitts. He didn't get to play with the first, first string of line, which is, like, the first string of line is already bad enough, but they at least have two starters that are very competent but then the second string come on now that's that's a downgrade like no other uh and and also you know he didn't have drake london who obviously has been held out with his injury uh the running back situation's weird he didn't have coral patterson but with all those things considered i think he still had a very solid outing and i mean it's something that i think has to be talked about i mean Desmond Ritter might be a guy that they look to move forward with. I don't know whether sooner than later, but they might look to push push him in front of Mariota fairly soon because I think I don't see a big drop off in the talent when watching both guys. You know, I mean, one's just a younger player, and <laughs> if typically if the guys are the same, you're going to play the younger guy. If they're the, like the same exact caliber and one has room to grow and one might have hit his like kind of ceiling, you're gonna play the younger guy because you see the potential that he could be better. But with that being said, I think Ritter, like I said, had a gr- good showing. The Jets played absolutely no one. Like I mean, I, respectfully, I think they held out literally every single veteran that they had. Garrett Wilson made a really nice catch, their first round pick. Uh, is a very contested, badly thrown ball. Uh, I think that's I think that's literally about it. Like that's the only thing I can take away from the Jets side of it. Uh, there's also a like a I think it was the guy that also caught the touchdown in Detroit for the, the last second, Bethencourt or whatever. A uh, little scrawny white guy. I think he played lacrosse. I think I've mentioned him before, but. Um, he also looked really good tonight, too, just finding lanes, being open. You know, I mean, if I had to look at a guy that maybe could stick around on the team, potentially, uh, he'd be a guy that I'd look to maybe as the fifth receiver, sixth receiver. I don't see anything wrong with having a guy who, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's probably your typical, you know, little white receiver that does work hard. And I think he's shown enough flashes of this preseason to really find a spot on the team. And I mean, 
the receiver talent we know is not good. It's a bunch of guys that are really on their, what, probably third, fourth teams in their career. Second, if we're lucky. But, you know, getting a new guy that's fairly young, I think, in the building is not a bad thing. And I wouldn't mind seeing him in, not the rotation, but, you know, in the wide receiver rooms, maybe learning, uh, finding snaps in its slot maybe in the future. Just something to pay attention to. Uh, the tight ends, the tight ends outside of Kyle Pitts, I think played well. A lot of, I think, another takeaway from this game, and this is, I think, the last thing I, that I got from watching this game. Arthur Smith, and you know, a fair amount of criticism was thrown Arthur Smith's way, basically. You know, from the jump, I think, rightfully so, because I don't, I mean, he didn't have a crystal clear. You know, fantastic start to his tenure here in Atlanta. I mean, probably overachieved with the roster that was less than desirable. Uh, but with that being said, I think tonight he drew up a ton of plays that were really like I think he threw up a ton of plays that were really good and would work against a number of defenses. You know, um, maybe not the top top of the you know, best of the best, but against this Jets defense, I think that the plays that he ran multiple times, people were just wide open. No one was in like within five yards of target, whether it's a tight end or receiver. And there was a number of those plays and it was really just some of the players didn't execute them. I think as well as they could have to really maximize the plays that were being ran. But a lot of stuff was under center, like hardly any shotgun a lot of eye formation, you know, fullback lining up behind the quarterback type deal. I mean, he practically ran that the entire night with um, both Ritter and Mariota. He had different circumstances. He would do the shotgun, but I mean, third and goal from like the nine yard line, he was in, you know, eye formation. And obviously I don't, I mean, obviously he's not going to show his entire playbook or anything, but I found that to be an interesting fold of how this game unfolded from his play calling standpoint. And with that being said, I mean, maybe it's the growth. Maybe, you know, all due respect to Matt Ryan, I like I said, love the guy, favorite quarterback ever, but maybe Matt Ryan just wasn't the guy to maximize this system. You know, Matt Ryan is mobile enough. He's not mobile. <laughs> like, he's mobile enough. And, you know, maybe guys like Mariota and Ritter who are, I think objectively just faster than Matt Ryan. Maybe those guys are just better suited to run this system with all the bootlegs and everything than Matt Ryan was. You know, I mean, it's it's a possibility that this just the fit just wasn't as good as I thought it was coming into last year. And I'm not saying that the offense will run any better, and I'm not saying those guys are better quarterbacks than Matt Ryan in today's NFL because they're not, but. I thought it was fairly interesting how much more open guys were getting in the scheme in this in this one preseason instance than they did basically all of last year. And maybe it's his growth either as a head coach that calls the plays or just as a play caller in general and knowing his talent better than he did last year. But I, I found his coaching to be impressive this on this you know night compared to I guess most times last year. Just that's the best best way I can put it for that. And so that that's my Falcons talk. I mean, 
You know, I it used to be ATL Kane. I kind of dove into that little realm of my world there, just talking Falcons because, like I said, the Jets just did absolutely jack. Like they did not roll anyone out. Joe Flacco didn't even play. You know, and Joe Flacco is the like backup, presumably the backup quarterback. Whenever Zach Wilson's healthy, he didn't even play. They threw out the third stringer and the fourth stringer. So. Uh, nothing to even say about the Jets, what they did, you know. They just didn't do anything. <laughs> so, But sticking with the NFC South, uh, the Baker Mayfield was officially announced the starter for the Panthers. You know, um, I've talked about the Panthers at length, just how bad I think they are. <laughs> Deja vu from yesterday's show. But Baker Mayfield is not playing again, or is playing again, is a starter, going to be playing the Browns his first week. Uh, he's doing the whole chip on his shoulder thing where it's like, it's like I, I'd be lying if it wasn't an emotional thing to play the Browns week one. And I do get that. It does make sense. I'm only human. I would probably have that same amount of feeling, but it is funny that Baker Mayfield's, you know, going back in with the chip on a shoulder type deal. Like I said, I understand that that's his little thing and I would probably be in the same situation. You know, players have to kind of get themselves up for certain games in certain ways. And I'm sure this is one that, won't take a lot to make him emotional and I don't know if you could say Baker Mayfield plays better with emotion or not but I think it's certainly something that he's dealt with in the past but I am curious to see how Baker Mayfield will fare this year because of how the situation is I don't know what the play calling you know I think oh who's his his offensive coordinator I want to say is the old Giants coach I can't remember his name not Tom Coughlin it's the guy uh, McAdoo. It's McAdoo. I don't know his first name, but uh, yeah, no, he's um, kind of a joke. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I think the Giants made the playoffs with Odell that one year. They took the boat pick and never sniffed the playoffs again. Throw, throw back to that picture. I might have to post that just because it's hilarious, but um, yeah, Ben McAdoo, I think it is. Um, ben McAdoo is the co- like the offensive coordinator because why not? You know, um, <laughs> if Baker succeeds, this will probably be his best year. You know, best year of his career. If he does happen to you know, hold on to the starting job, because I mean, seriously, think about it. His rookie year, I think, was less than desirable. Not fantastic. Not bad. Uh, second year wasn't fantastic, but I mean, a lot of kind of dysfunction, I guess. Uh, then he makes the playoffs and that is, I think by far his best year, obviously. I don't, I don't think there's any debating that. Then last year happened and then he comes into this year. Basically, I think, I don't know. I don't want to say he's like one starter, one like bad starter year away from being out of the league, but doesn't feel like the reputation is nearly as high as it once was, obviously. So, and the thing about him is he has a lot to work with in front of him. He has DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson on the outside. Uh, he does have McCaffrey in the backfield, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, the O-line, they did draft an offensive lineman. The rest of it's not good, but, you know, the defenses should hold up for him enough. You know, I don't think this is a good team. And I really don't. And I can't see this, you know, projecting out to be a good year for the just Panthers team as a whole. Uh, 
but I think Baker can actually look good. Like I, I think Baker has the tools and an opportunity here to actually look like an NFL starting quarterback compared to what he did last year. It just won't be in a winning situation. And I think the blame will fall on the coach more so than Baker, unless Baker literally plays awful, you know, it's just, it could go a number of different ways here. And I'm, cautiously optimistic for Baker because I do think he is a good quarterback. I I sincerely do. I don't think he is the pumpkin that we saw last year. So I I don't <laughs> I wouldn't project anyone to really be a, a big offensive threat on that team outside of Christian McCaffrey. And even then I'm not sure because will he stay healthy? He hasn't in the past two years, so it's just, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Panthers. I don't think it's positive things that I'm thinking about the Panthers, but Baker is the starter. And another NFL news thing I want to get to, I guess oh, we'll just stay in the NFC South. This is just the NFC South preview about quarterbacks, but uh, Tom Brady <laughs> returned to practice from to the Buccaneers after some time off for personal reasons. And I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday or not, but people are saying that he was on the mass singer. <laughs> and I don't know if this is a ploy. Like, I don't know. It was a Reddit thing. I believe is, you know, Reddit is a absolute hell site of a website. Do not go on there. Uh, but you know, I think someone dig deep down that Tom Brady, you know, this is around the time when they would film the mass singer and, he agreed to do it when he was retired because he works at Fox or he's going to be working at Fox as an announcer. Terry Bradshaw's done it in the past. I think a Gronk has done it in the past who he worked for Fox for a little bit. So the people are saying that when he retired, he signed on to do the mass singer and he couldn't get out of the contracts. And so he had to go film the mass singer for this 11 day absence. And, you know, I don't know if I disagree. I don't know if this is a mass singer thing. Like, they put it out there to, like, like someone, one of their employees put it out there to get some buzz around it. Because, I mean, people are going to tune in. If Tom Brady's singing on the mass singer, people are going to tune in. No doubt. But, I mean, it's so ridiculous, right? Like, it's just a ridiculous thing that he would miss preseason games or a training camp practices because of the mass singer first of all i don't know how the show is on i really sincerely have no clue but it's a thing and if tom brady was on it i'm going to laugh because he's going to look ridiculous but he is back for the buccaneers curious how they're going to do this year Uh, i have talked about them before i think they're going to cakewalk to the, the nfc south championship but I don't know, maybe Tom Brady with the mass Singer on his mind, he won't be able to, you know, really dive into the season now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we do have a surprising cut, I would say. The um, Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders decided to cut Kenyon Drake running back. Uh, he was the second-string guy last year. Got a lot of run because Josh Jacobs was in and out of the lineup. And Raiders decided to cut him. I don't know if it's for money purposes that would be the only logical reason like the money doesn't match the production or they really like Zamir White who's been playing a lot in the preseason 
Amir um, Abdullah has looked pretty good in the preseason. Um, but if you want to talk about stock up, I mean, look no further than Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs now has really no, like, solid competition. You know, I mean, Kenyon Drake, I think, was a good back. I mean, not great or anything, but like a really solid number two. Uh, he's obviously out of town now, but um, Josh Jacobs will probably get that usage rate way more up than it already was, which it was high. But yeah, I mean, going into a contract year, I think if you're Josh Jacobs, you got to love this because I mean, if you do good, you're going to get probably, I won't say overpaid because no one's paying running backs anymore, but you'll get a nice little chunk of change. I don't know if it's from the Raiders or if it's from someone else, but. It's certainly something to look out for if you're Kenyon Drake. Uh, but he does have to find on somewhere. And I wouldn't shock me if he signed on to some contender that, you know, a running back injury that happens. I don't know where that would be. I haven't, like, viewed over teams, running back situations. But, yeah, would not shock me if he catched on somewhere. Because I just it feels like Kenyon Drake is a guy that just shouldn't be a free agent based on how... I think he was last year. I think he was, like I said, very productive. But nonetheless, I believe that's most of the NFL news I got for you. Uh, I think some more cuts will be happening tomorrow, so we might get a little bit more like Kenyon Drake-type cuts, or we'll just get kind of the bottom feeder guys of the roster, sadly, to just move on. Unfortunately, but... Yeah, I believe it's another cut day of like five five players, so not a big one, but still enough to really kind of get you going. But we're going to talk some NBA. And I haven't talked NBA in, oh, God knows how long. It's been quite a while. And, you know, fun fact, you might not be able to guess who I'm going to talk about. Oh, wait, it's Kevin Durant, who I've basically only talked about when it comes to the NBA because no one else is doing anything. But another report came out. It's kind of the same story, different day. A bunch of teams have been offering or acquiring about Kevin Durant. You know, the the price is still ridiculously high for whatever reason. I mean, obviously it's Kevin Durant. But, you know, I think the Bucks, the Nuggets, uh, the Hawks even sneaked in an offer. Uh, None of them obviously bit. But uh, the Grizzlies are a team that was in the like headline of the article. And I found it interesting because it's like the Grizzlies are interested in Kevin Durant. However, they're not going to include Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. And so basically that told me they're not interested in Kevin Durant because if you're going after Kevin Durant, you're going to trade one of those two guys. You know, Desmond Bain is coming off a year where he probably should have won most improved over his teammate John Morant. You know, Jaron Jackson is coming off a year where you might have been the defensive player of the year. And both are young guys, I think, still on their rookie deals, or they're going to be going on to their next deals here. Uh, Desmond Bain, maybe not, but Jaron Jackson is. And, you know, that's kind of been the price tag that's been hanging around for uh, Brooklyn is like, we want a bajillion picks and a young, talented player. And... You know, I mentioned Jalen Brown a couple weeks ago with the Kevin Durant stuff, how he was probably the best player that they could get with it when, like, you look at age and potential and building a team around. But 
you know, you look around at other teams that are young. Not a lot of them are looking to get KD because they're not contenders, but the Grizzlies are young and they are looking to be contenders and they have the pieces to do it. But if you're not going to give up Desmond Bain, who's a shooting guard, who, I mean, let's be honest, Kevin Durant's better than Desmond Bain. I, I, <laughs> I, whether he'll be in three years, that's, you know, who knows, but he's just a better player. Uh, he's a better player than Jaron Jackson. I mean, no offense to those guys, but they're just not Kevin Durant, simply put. And to say you're not going to uh, like include one of them is like you're just basically waving the white flag. We're going to give you a half-assed offer that maybe you'll accept if we give you all the picks. But like you can't, you can't, you, you got to give all the picks and a young player. That seems like what the price tag is, and even then, it's like still high like you still need another productive player along with a young player in a pit like picks like the asking price is astronomical and if you're not willing to part with one of those guys then i mean come on like if the celtics are willing to offer jalen brown you have to be willing to offer desmond bain i'm sorry but because I mean, it just—it's just a very, very—I don't know if it's a childish offer by the Grizzlies. Because obviously, you low ball, they high ball. You meet in the middle, maybe you get a deal done. But I don't think that'll happen. I'm just still curious how this saga will unfold. I've talked about it multiple times now. Uh, I if if he hasn't been traded by now, it's would be increasingly hard to see him being traded. Because I just don't know who's willing to shell out all the picks and a young player. Unless it's part of some massive deal with Donovan Mitchell. Speaking of Donovan Mitchell, another guy who I've talked about being a trade candidate for basically the entire summer. uh, The Knicks. Now the Knicks and Jazz have, like I guess, reopened discussions. This happened a couple days ago. I didn't talk about it, but they talked about it again and... I still don't understand it as much for the Knicks perspective, unless you literally just want a star and to be like the sixth seed or seventh seed in the East every year. Uh, but once again, they're trying to talk out a deal and oddly enough, Quentin Grimes, who's a, a young player for the Knicks has been a hot name in the deal that, you know, the Knicks don't want to give them, but the Utah jazz really, really want him. And apparently the Jazz and the Knicks just don't like R.J. Barrett, which I find interesting because I find R.J. Barrett was their third overall pick. They got lucky and got the third pick. Drafted R.J. Barrett was mixed bag basically his first couple of years. Uh, then last year, I think he really broke out. You know, I think he was the most consistent player for the Knicks day in, day out on both defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. He's a good shooter. Can kind of create his own shot and my buddy zach tells me all the time it's like rj barrett gets the most like you you look down and you look up and all of a sudden he has 20 points on like 10 shots like I, he's like consistently getting the like the double digits or 20 points however many you know just he just happens to get there it's a weird path how he does but he just does you know rj barrett just is a good wing player is a young guy but he's not a guy that seems to be the centerpiece in a Knicks deal for Donovan Mitchell, which is shocking to me because he's the only player on the Knicks that I would really consider like 
that's the guy that I would want as the center player if you're doing a player heavy package. Now I think it is a you know a ton of picks they're trying to give the Jazz for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but if I was going to get a player, I I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't heard of Quentin Grimes like playing basketball. I've never seen Quentin Grimes play basketball. Never. Now it's not to say he's not a good player. Like he might very well be a fine player and he might have a lot of potential, but I mean, I just have never heard of the guy. And frankly, if if they're if Quentin Grimes is the one thing that's holding this up and him and picks and like one of Obi Toppin or Emmanuel quickly, I I'm totally doing that deal. I if I can keep RJ Barrett there as the three and plug in Donovan Mitchell, have Jalen Brunson now run the one. I, I don't see a world where you're not doing that trade. It just makes a, like too much sense because then you're winning. You're trying to win now. You're, you don't want to like try and develop this young guy. If you have Donovan Mitchell, like, you want to win now. And I think RJ Barrett's a win now type player for the Knicks. And so that was a very interesting thing that came out about how value works in this deal. I don't, the, the trade machine with superstars is getting to a ridiculous point. Like, the, the fact that the Hawks got the DeJounte Murray trade for what they did is frankly unbelievable because he was a one-time All-Star and they managed to just do three picks in Gallo. I mean, if they had waited and, like, Donovan Mitchell got traded and they saw what he got, the Hawks might have gotten absolutely demolished for everything they had, but they didn't, and they managed to get an All-Star caliber guard for him you know, I'd say pennies and first round picks that hopefully will just not be high. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know the trade, the trade value machine is just very broken and seems like out of whack right now in the NBA. I don't know how it works and I don't know where superstars are going to go. Just a weird overall era. I think for trading players that are superstars. So with that being said, I'm going to do some MLB stuff. And you may wonder, what does MLB stuff mean? And I guess that means like it's our weekly like look around the league, look at the standings, I kind of tell you what I see, and we go from there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the scores now. Go ahead and get them out of the way because, you know, kind of got a show to get to. And some of the scores are final, so we got like two two West Coast games, so neither of them really, I think, super highly controversial. I don't know. Um, the Atlanta Braves won 2-1 to one against the Pirates. Um, Jake Hudarizzi, who's frankly been god-awful since coming over to the Braves in a trade, um, gets the win, kind of gets back on track. Michael Harris continues his Rookie of the Year push against his own teammate, Spencer Strider. A very Fun race there. The Braves, like I said, get the win. So that's good to see. Uh, the Royals beat the White Sox 6-4. to uh, The Phillies beat the Reds 4-1. to uh, The Yankees beat the Mets in the Subway Series. Yes, the New York Yankees managed to beat the Mets. And, you know, add that. That's another game for the Braves to catch up to the Mets there. Uh, they beat Max Scherzer in this start, which is a huge win for the Yankees, who have been really skidding. Uh, they're looking to get John Carlos Stanton back in the lineup here. I, I think they got him back today, maybe tomorrow. Um, but Stanton looks to be back. 
Aaron Judge hit another home run. He's at 47 now. Absurd, absurd player. He's going to get paid so much money. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Angels 2-1. to uh, The Rangers beat the Twins 2-1. to The Cardinals beat the Cubs 1-0 as Albert Pujols hits another home run. I swear they're they're juicing the balls. I don't I don't know I don't know what they're doing, but like he shouldn't be hitting as many home runs as he is in this stretch. I respect it. I don't care that much, but because I want to see him get seven hundred as much as anyone. But I mean, come on now, two home run games. He's had like two two home run games, and then he's hit like a home run in like past five games like three times or something. Like, eh, come on, make it subtle if you're gonna do that. But hey. Uh, the Brewers are being the Dodgers, one to nothing right now in the middle of the game, so that could change very quickly. Uh, and then the Marlins are beating the Athletics, three to nothing in a game where no one really cares, respectfully. <laughs> and so that's your uh, MLB scores for the day. We'll see how that plays out. You know, some of those games, like I said, are still ongoing. But that being said, we'll move on to. Uh, you know, the wild card, I guess, race. I mean, really, it's the, you know, it's the Astros and Yankees show and then everyone else. Um, the Astros are three games up on the Yankees after the Yankees have grossly struggled the past 10 games. Uh, obviously, they got a big win tonight. Uh, they needed that one bad, and they're going to avoid Jacob DeGrom, so really they should have easy pitching matchups the rest of the way. Um, but that's, you know, they're kind of very up and down right now. But the Astros just are steady, steady winning games just consistently. Uh, in the wild card race, you have the Tampa Bay just hanging out at the one spot, a half game up on the Blue Jays and Mariners. Uh, you know, that's a really closely contested race there. Those three teams, I think those three teams would be very fun to see in the playoffs just as a, because I think those three teams could really compete with, you know, any of the top two, like uh, Yankees, Astros. I, right now, I mean, the Blue Jays, I think, beat the Yankees a couple times over the weekend. Uh, the Rays are just consistently just always there. I think that's just going to be a thing. Uh, and then the Mariners. Obviously, I want to see the Mariners break their drought, their long playoff drought. Uh, the Central Division, you know, I, <laughs> it took five teams to get to the Central Division leader, but the Cleveland Guardians are leading the Central right now over the White Sox and Twins, who are both faltering. Uh, very surprising to see Cleveland there after they kind of have done weird trades in the past couple of years. Looks like they want to blow it up, but then they just hang on enough to be good. So they are hanging out in the central playoff spot. Uh, and then the Baltimore Orioles, I have to shout out them. They are still hanging around despite being the sellers of the deadline. They're still hanging around. Adley Rushman obviously has been a home run prospect call up. He's been a great catcher for them. Kind of a culture changer. I would say, you know, you see this every now and then with guys, you know, I think um, the San Francisco uh, Giants catcher. Oh, I can't remember his name. Mm, oh, it's going to kill me. It's going to kill me if I can't remember his name because he was a real star for a little bit. Buster Posey. Buster Posey was a culture changer for the San Francisco Giants, was a huge part of their championship World Series teams. 
and you know, I mean, look what he did. And Adley Rushman, I think, has a chance to do that with the Orioles. Obviously, I don't think they're gonna, you know, win World Series t- anytime soon. But he's the type of player that can really change a culture and bring, I guess, a level of prestige to being a Baltimore Oriole, which is funny to say, but. I mean, really, they're winning games right now, and maybe they become a desirable destination. They call up a couple more prospects that they've been saving, and maybe you have a like a for sure playoff team instead of this team that's just fighting really hard, even in their young youth stage right now. Uh, then I mentioned the Twins and White Sox are just hanging out below the line there, uh, behind the Guardians. The Red Sox are under five hundred. They kind of just taking gas you know just not a positive you know time for red sox fans uh the rangers the rangers have basically just fired everyone i think i think they fired their president last week uh the manager obviously i talked about it a little bit earlier in the show's time but um he, you know the rangers are still hanging on but not looking fantastic. The Angels are the Angels. The Royals, Tigers, and Athletics are all bad. Then we move over to the NL. In the NL, we have the Dodgers and Mets still one, two. The Braves hanging out in three in that first wild card slot. Um, as I stated, they are three games back now of the Mets, so they're right there. They're really close, and they have a favorable schedule here coming up, but Ah, man, they really need the Mets to kind of, they, they need the Mets to really take some gas here and some bad teams, I believe, the Mets play. But uh, the Yankees series hopefully will help the Braves catch up. But for now, they're still up. Uh, the Dodgers are just mowing over everyone. Uh, the stat that I saw was that the Dodgers' run differential is higher than the Braves and Mets combined. It's a plus two sixty four. If you wanted to know the number, yeah, no, the Dodgers are mowing over everyone. So you have those, uh, you know, three teams, kind of the three headed monster of the NL. Uh, then you have a lot of teams that are just, you know, hanging out, uh, <laughs> just good vibes, I guess, if you want to say. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been really, really good the last ten games, nine and one, on an eight game win streak too. Uh, Albert found it, finding the fountain of youth or steroids. I don't know, but um, the Cardinals just hanging out. This is the central leader over the Brewers. I think they're pretty comfortable right now sitting in there in that hole. Uh, the other wild card spot, you have the Phillies. And the Phillies, like I said, were blowing games against the Mets yesterday. Awful, awful games. But the Phillies are hanging out. You know, playing good ball right now. Uh, Bryce Harper started his rehab assignment, so they look to get him back soon. He'll probably just be DHing and maybe not playing the field as much, but you know, good for him. Uh, the Phillies, I guess they're just hanging out. Maybe they, you know, maybe they do sneak in into a wild card spot. I'm not sure. But then you have the San Diego Padres who went all in to be the second, third wild card team. Uh, the Brewers aren't far behind in the wild card race. I think the division race might be, I don't say it's out of reach, obviously, but not looking fantastic. But they're two games out of the wild card spot, so don't count them out quite yet. Uh, then you have the Giants just hanging around, not, not like they're in the perfect middle of being 
one of these bottom tier teams and being a wild card team. They're just in the perfect middle there. It's just so shocking they didn't decide to sell their pieces. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I said, you got the Diamondbacks, Rockies, Marlins, Cubs, Reds, Pirates, messy teams all at the bottom. Not really worth anything. But that's the standings. That's how it looks to be right now. Uh, like a little bit of a news. We got the Dodgers, you know, re extending Max Muncy, who was an MVP candidate early last season before he got hurt. And he's really been sucky. Like just straight up has been really sucky the past, like, I don't know, the past season and a half, maybe the season at least. And like after he got hurt last year, hasn't been the same, but. They do reach an extension with him, and I think, you know, good good signing. Obviously, if he returns to form, but you're hoping on him returning to form. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. But that's all like the sporting news I have. It's really, like I said, a good amount of stuff to talk about. But um, hopefully, you get some more like little news here, little news nuggets. Do have some stuff playing for the week. Um, I want to review. I want to do a TV review of the new um, House of Dragons, his new Game of Thrones show. I mean, sure, it's kind of like, you know, think what you will about it. I mean, Game of Thrones is one of the best shows of all time before that last season. It's just short-sighted what they did with that last season. But it was one of the best television shows ever, I think, for the first seven seasons. It's just absolute peak TV and... Like I said, they came off with a spinoff, and I'm the people seem to like it. And you know, I asked the, you know, the community, uh, should I dive into it after the first episode premiered last night? Everyone was tweeting about it. I was super curious about it, and like I said, the reviews were overall very positive. People seem to be hooked into it already. Uh, they're ready to watch some more dragons. So I might watch the first episode. Maybe do a little TV review. You know, episode weekly, whatever. But nonetheless, that's future stuff. Uh, the college football week zero is upon us. Some awful games, <laughs> frankly. Uh, like Nebraska's playing Northwestern, Vanderbilt's playing Hawaii, uh, Utah State's playing Connecticut, and Wyoming's playing. Oh, who? Wyoming's playing someone. That they're a ten point underdog because I want to bet on the on Wyoming, but um, we'll we'll do the four for four here in a little bit. We'll do that in a little bit. But with that being said, closing us out with a tier here. It's a very small tier, not a exciting one, but historical NFL logos. And I got a couple down here that I just didn't really want to mess with. I want to do a short one. I thought this was a good tier. Regardless, but with that being said, we got S, A, B, C, and D. No bottom tier, as I've done in the past, the hell tier. But do have S through D. And the first one I got in S tier is the Broncos. And when you think of the old Broncos logo, think of the big orange D with a horse. And it's the, like... 80s John Elway, not the late two, you know, not the late 90s Super Bowl John Elway. It's the you know very bright orange and dark blue. I personally love this Broncos jersey. 
I love the Broncos jersey. I love this logo. I think though is fantastic though. I mean, I think the color pops. I think it's a very bold logo. Horse is right there. I think it's just a good overall solid color choice. It's a good logo. Uh, the next one I have in S tier is the Rams, and it's the I think the eighties Rams. I don't know when this one was exactly, but it's the Rams logo with the skull for the Rams. And to me, this is just a badass logo. I think it just is. I think if you put this logo like on the back of a giant pickup truck, it looked natural. <laughs> and you know, just like in the desert or something, you know, this logo just to me just looks really cool. Uh, I won't say that I hate they went to the cartoony route because I think it is more, I guess, child friendly and more easy to brand and everything. But doesn't make this logo any less cool. I think this logo is just a really cool logo. Uh, then I have the Oilers logo. Now, the, the logo itself, maybe I have an S here because of the, just the pure nostalgia of the Oilers because the powder blue is my favorite color. It's such a good color for teams. I think it's hard to do it wrong. Uh, but the red is also a great red. It's not like a lazy you know, it's not the lazy red I think the Titans use now. It's a really good one. And I just think the Houston Oilers, if they can come back as a like the team replace the Texans, I'd be all for it. It would be a just a great look, a great, you know, just comeback. However, I don't think that's gonna happen since the Titans do own it. Then I have the New England Patriots of the eighties. I mean, it's the Patriots snapping the football. I mean I think it just speaks for itself. I think seeing that, you know, Je- you know Jeff Hanna, I believe, playing for the Patriots there, I think that logo is just a classy logo. I just it's a good one. It's better than the one they have now, and I can't wait to see them rock the old vintage ones with this helmet with the hat. You know, has this old logo on it. But looking forward to that one. Uh, in A tier, I have the Creamsicle Buccaneers guy, and. I mean, purely, this logo is just so much better than the one they have now. I think the creamsicle is a great look. Uh, it, it looks really bad when they're going 0-17 or 0-16, or however many games they lost that stretch when they had these jersey and the logo and everything. However, if they were winning the Super Bowl in this, like if Tom Brady was wearing this and they beat the Chiefs like they did in 2019, no one would complain. <laughs> Everyone would love it. But I do love this. This is in A tier now. I don't I think it's one of the best, but I do think it's a really good logo. It's the old, you know, buccaneer with the knife in his mouth. I, just great. The next one I have is the Dolphins. And I think this old Dolphin looks really, really good. I think it's a sharp Dolphin. I mean, the Dolphin has a helmet on. I mean, seriously. I mean, I think it's a great color scheme. I think the Dolphins... You know, Miami, I think Sneaky has some of the best branding in their, like, past. If you take the old Heat, the old Marlins, Florida Marlins, and this old Dolphins, I think some of the best branding in all sports. Next one I have is the Colts logo. And this might be the Baltimore Colts. I mean, obviously, it's the Colt, like, Indianapolis Colts. But uh, the old Baltimore Colts logo with the horse bucking with the helmet on. I, I think it's a really good logo. Uh, better than the horseshoe. It's just, you know, the horseshoe's in the logo too. It's just on the helmet. But, I mean, I think it just does a little bit more for, you know, what the mascot is. And 
it's good good blue good colors uh, then I have the Eagles. I have the 90s Eagles. I think this is a, also a, just a better logo than what they have now. I mean, it's the whole eagle flying out with the football. Uh, the, this and the Kelly Green, I think, is a great color combo. I think they're rocking that this year. I think they're bringing that color back. I think it'll be really good for them. And, I mean, yeah, I just think it's a really good, sharp look. I think that, like, the S and A tier logos... If you put them on like any like shirts or hoodies, I think they look good every time. Every time, I think those all look good. Uh, in B tier, this is where the B tier starts. I have the '90s Falcons logo. I, this is like the simple like simplicity just rules. Simply put, uh, the just plain black Falcon, I think is just a better, sharper look than the, what they have now. And I like the Falcons logo they have now. It's just not the same as the old one. It doesn't, I mean, it's very plain, very blah, but it's just that simplicity that I think rocks for it. And I think the the Falcon actually just looks better. <laughs> it doesn't look as like cartoony and small. It just looks bigger and better. Uh, the next one I have is the Bills. And this isn't the Bills like with the thing coming from the horn. It's just the solid red Buffalo Bills. I think during the O.J. Simpson era. Hey there, Twitter world. <laughs> um, O.J. Simpson rocking this stuff. Very controversial figure, but that's the era I associated with. Uh, but it's a good Buffalo. I mean, the solid red uh, doesn't do a whole lot, but you know, it's just a very solid logo. Uh, I have the Cincinnati Bengals, and now this Bengals logo, it's kind of the early 2000s one, and obviously it's not the B, it's just the Bengal Tiger. I think it's a very plain Tiger, like it doesn't do a whole lot, but with for that reason, I mean, Tigers, I just like Tigers. <laughs> Simply put, I like Tigers, but um, it's a good one. I have the old Seattle Seahawks logo. Um. It looks weird because the eye is very, like, realistic, and I don't know how that makes me feel. Um, but I do think this this color combination is better than what they have now. They, they kind of went with the weird blue. They transitioned from this bright blue and um, this kind of, like, normal green to a neon green and a dark, weird navy blue. I think the brighter colors just work better for this. Um, I like this old Seattle logo. Uh, in C tier, I have the Chargers logo. It's like, it's a the navy blue Charger helmet with the white um, lightning bolt on it. Doesn't do a whole lot for me. Like the color, I like the navy blue Charger stuff. I just do. I think it's simply like a really good look. However, I mean, it's just not, doesn't live up to the powder blue. Not one bit. Uh, then you have the Steelers. I think it's the guy on the steel beam just kicking a football. <laughs> it's a very goofy looking logo, but it's just like, okay. Doesn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, it's a guy shooting off some guns. Cool. <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with the 49ers, but cool. Uh, then I have the Giants. Like, it's just the 90s Giants with Phil Sims. It just doesn't do a whole lot. It just says Giants. Like, I think the font looks good, so it's like that's what makes it not D tier. But, yeah, I have the Giants here in C tier. 
Then we go to D tier. In D tier, we got the old Jaguars logo. To me, it's just not a simply like, you know, it's not an intimidating mascot for a cat. You know, I think the Panthers logo looks better. I think the you know the Bengals logo looks better. The Lions logo looks better. Just all better than the Jaguars logo. It's a very weird oval, roundy shape. I don't just not very good to me. Uh, you have the Jets. Uh, the thing is, the Jets, I think, this logo is just very plain, you know? I mean, they have potential. I think the Winnipeg Jets do the logo very well. I think they do it a good logo for Jets. But the New York Jets just don't just do not do anything for me here. I don't love it. And then it's the Baltimore Ravens with the shield with the wings. It, I don't know if this might be, the, I think, the very first iteration of the Ravens. Now... It's like before Ray Lewis, I think, when they were expansion team. It's just a very hideous looking shield. And a lot of teams do the shield approach with the logo, but this one is just over the top bad. Do not like it. Uh, and so with that being said, there's a couple of logos I just didn't put in because I didn't know where I'd put them, you know? And that's kind of the trouble of the tiers, like, it's the Browns logo. It's the guy, like, the elf-looking fella. I, I I don't like... I See, I just don't like the Browns branding in general, so that'd probably be a D tier. Uh, the Lions logo just hasn't changed. The Packers logo looks stupid. It's a guy throwing a football over the state of Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, the Cardinals logo hasn't changed. The Dallas logo hasn't changed. The Panthers logo hasn't changed. Uh, the Saints logo hasn't changed. Texans hasn't. This Vikings one they gave looks really stupid. Like, it just looks like the Viking they have now, but very old and, like, light yellow. Very dumb. Uh, the Raiders logo is just, like, it's the Raiders guy, but over a football and some shields. Like, it's not even the black and silver and black. It's uh, the Chiefs guy is just, it's an Indian guy with over, like, basically the Tornado Valley. Sure, I don't. A lot of a lot of just older school logos that I just don't know where to place them. It's just not not bad logos, not but not by any stretch, but not particularly exciting, like or controversial. I guess I don't know. However, you want to describe the other logos, it's not the same. Just not the same. But with that being said, I think it's a good way to wrap up the show. A little bit of tier listing. As I said earlier, got a whole lot of other stuff planned, uh, along with the regular news that we always get. So be on the lookout for all that fun stuff as we get into week zero of college football. Cannot wait. That being said, make sure to like, share, subscribe, all of that fun stuff that you normally you know, have to do if you want to get the show on a regular basis. And make sure to share as much as you can. I appreciate all the support and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.